What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Back. Welcome to the Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments. I was on mute again. My guest didn't tell me. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> this is another episode we got going this week. It's Monday here, but with our special guest, it's actually Tuesday. Um, that's the beauty of the show. We get to talk about a little bit of everything around the world. We're going to be talking about sourcing from India, which is a really cool topic that I personally want to learn a little bit more. And then even diving into Singapore and selling on Amazon Singapore. So a lot of our uh, guests this week are going to be talking international focus from the United States. And we're going to talk about marketplaces in India, Singapore, China, and even Japan. So it's a really exciting way to end our uh, season this year. But Megla Pardwaj of uh, this uh, India sourcing trip, I got that right. Uh, she is lovely enough to join me today. First thing in the morning on Tuesday there. Uh, Megla, thank you for joining me today on uh, Crossover Commerce. Thank you so much, Ryan, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry for that weird intro, you know, uh, lovely uh, going live. Can't can't predict when your microphone's going to go uh, mute on you, but here we are today. Um, so I brought you on. I reached out to you. This is the first time we're kind of interacting a little bit about what you do and kind of uh, what your companies are doing. Why don't you dive in for the people who are listening again live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, for those of you who are joining us live, Michael, why don't you just kind of kick us off and give us a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So my background is basically in the sourcing industry. I've been working in the sourcing industry for almost 20 years in Asia. I started in India, uh, the Philippines, China. I lived in China for about 10 years and currently I'm based in Singapore. So um, yeah, most of my career, I worked for a B2B sourcing platform called Global Sources. And um, when I was in China, I was mostly doing these research reports where my team and I, we would visit factories and write in-depth reports about how products are manufactured and what are the issues that, that importers face when they're sourcing products from China. So that gave me the opportunity to visit literally hundreds of factories all over China and really get a close uh, look into the manufacturing sector and how, you know, what drives the industry and what issues importers face. And then more recently, in the last two years or so, I've started focusing a little bit more on India and I've started my own venture where um, I, I take this group of people to India on, on a trip, on a guided tour. It's called India Sourcing Trip. And then recently, I've also started my own virtual show, uh, which is called India Sourcing, uh, Virtual India Sourcing Show, where we interview manufacturers from India in live webinars. That's fantastic. And so obviously there's a lot to dive in there. And for, again, anyone who's joining us live on either the West Coast of the United States or around the world, or you consume this at a later time, again, make sure you write in the comments and tag us and we'll tag Megla to make sure she answers your questions. Um, or we will answer those live today if you're watching on, again, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, or YouTube. So Megla, kind of diving in, you're a current seller, right? You're, you're still selling on, on Amazon? Yes, but I started selling earlier this year. So yeah, I'm not okay. a very advanced seller. <laughs> hey, uh, unlike some of us who are still not selling yet, which again, I <laughs> one, one of those times I will dive in, I promise. Uh, so <laughs> what's kind of like, this is an interesting year. That's a cool topic to maybe dive into. That's an interesting year to maybe start selling on Amazon. 
Um, what's kind of been like the highs and lows for you personally um, with all this uh, pandemic going on globally? Yeah, I think what happened was I launched my first product right before the pandemic happened. And I was lucky enough to get my product out of China before everything closed down over there. Oh and um, and then, you know, luckily I was sort of in the storage kind of home home category. So I quickly sold out. But then the issue was that I couldn't get in stock again. So I was out of stock for one of my products for a really long time. And that affected sales. And that took a couple of months to, you know, get the product back. And then I've got, um, you know, a couple of products from India going as well. So, yeah, I mean, those are those are going well, too. Um, I think Q4 has been pretty interesting. <laughs> this is the first right. time that I'm like selling in Q4 and it's a, it's a super duper Q4. So, <laughs> yeah, it's going well so far. Awesome. So are, what marketplaces are you currently diving into and selling? So I'm selling in uh, on Amazon US and Singapore as well, but Singapore is a bit slow. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later. But yeah, my main marketplace is the US. Okay. And so, what was the what was the kind of deciding factor to? Was it just because of marketplace velocity to get into the US, or was it just like was that a strategic, um, you know, decision to go there, or just kind of where everyone shops and that's where all the kind of the customers are, or what? What's kind of that decision that made you start there? Yeah, I mean, of course, US is the biggest, um, you know, Amazon marketplace around the world. And it's, it's relatively easy for somebody outside of the US to sell there. And mm -hmm. I think it's a natural choice for anybody starting out. Um, you know, most of the other marketplaces are pretty small, relatively small. Um, so yeah, I think most sellers start off in the US, and then diversify to other marketplaces. <laughs> Right. And, and that's, that's interesting. You say that too, because, you know, a lot of people, if they do sell locally or they have sold on different marketplaces, I have seen that go to a little bit backwards, but that's, that's a great point. So what was that uh, decision to make you kind of jump in as a seller? Um, you said you were doing a lot of sourcing, a lot of, you know, background in terms of different locations from China, from India, what made you kind of make that jump into the seller, seller realm? Yeah, so I mean, previously I had a, you know, like a full-time job and, you know, pretty cushy kind of job, I must say. So I didn't really have the need to diversify, you know, my, my income as such. Um, and then when I decided to go um, to, to be an entrepreneur and, you know, quit my full-time job, um, that's when I thought that, okay, I probably need to diversify my income sources as well. And, you know, what better way than to start your own e-commerce business, especially because I'm surrounded by all these wonderful people that, and all of this information that people are, you know, providing. And I, uh, you know, know the right people to go to if there are issues. So, and of course the suppliers, like I know the supply side really, really well. So, you know, that, that side is sort of taken care of. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's when I decided to um, start my own brand. Awesome. Well, that, that's great to hear. And again, for people who have questions for Megala or, or myself, again, make sure you answer those and we'll throw them up live and we'll make sure that those get answered right away here on, uh, on our show. Um, so kind of going through your background, it was interesting that you were like, let's talk about India. You know, what about India? I mean, let's start from the beginning. What about India has you excited um, that e-commerce uh, or Amazon sellers really need to know about going into 2021? And then uh, keep it keep a strong eye out for that. So one of the biggest advantages of sourcing from India um, is that 
there are lots of unique products that uh, Amazon sellers can find in India that you would not find in other places, especially China. So India has this really hitch, rich, um, you know, history of making handmade products. And these are products that are made from wood or metal. And there are skilled artisans in India that have learned the skill of, you know, handcrafting these products from their forefathers. And so the skill has been sort of passed down from generation to generation. And um, so that's one big advantage. You'll find these very beautiful, high quality, premium products that you can source from India that are not found elsewhere. Um, and, you know, the categories for these specific products are mostly home decor, gift items, uh, furniture products. And uh, another thing that you'll find is that for certain categories, India is very strong uh, and, and more price competitive than China, especially when it comes to apparel and specifically cotton apparel. So India is the second largest producer of cotton in the world. And um, in, in terms of you know, apparel and other furnishings. There are literally hundreds and thousands of factories that produce these kinds of products. And labor is cheaper in India than it is in China. So if you are producing something that is labor intensive or requires manual labor, then it will be more cost effective to get it produced in India. So, you know, think about things like apparel, shoes, belts, bags, those kinds of, <clears throat> excuse me, those kinds of things. Um, also, <clears throat> Um, there are no trade tariffs between, you know, the, the U.S. and India as of now. Um, so one of the reasons why Amazon sellers started looking to other sourcing markets uh, was when two years ago there were <clears throat> these trade tariffs that were imposed by the U.S. And um, so if you're importing, you know, let's say a product from China, you've got this 35% tariff that you need to pay. The same product can be sourced from India, then you don't have that tariff. And of course, that will help you save on costs. Another advantage is that um, most of the suppliers that you deal with in India will speak English and very fluent English. And so the communication is much easier than it is in, in China. So yeah, uh, Ryan, those are some of the advantages that I see sourcing from India. Did you have any questions? Oh yeah, absolutely. Sorry, my, my screen's freezing up here. If you guys can hear me, <laughs> I'm, st I'm still here, I promise. Uh, so the things that I heard are obviously cheaper labor, um, handmade goods, but also um, in terms of textiles. I thought that was interesting that I, I pulled from those kinds of topics. Those are those all sound like great pros, obviously, for people who are in those industries. What's kind of the cons or the drawbacks? And obviously, no no tariffs, uh, which obviously that can be that can change with any economic. You know, who knows what's going to happen economically with uh, any sourcing country? Um, we all know that. But what's kind of maybe the downside? Is it just not as many people recognize, or just the just those uh, focuses, not everyone is needing those as, you know, sourcing uh, goods or goods um, for Amazon? Yeah, so the cons, uh, one of the biggest cons is that there is not that much of a variety of products available. So in China, you can practically source anything and everything from there, right? Whether it's electronics, plastics, uh, injection molded products, you name it, everything is manufactured in China. And uh, I mean, literally, there's no other country in the world currently that can compete with China in terms of the range of products that it manufactures. Um, so that is one disadvantage of India, that it doesn't offer, you know, lots of different types of products. So, for example, electronics, that's not a good category to source from India. <laughs> Similarly, electrical products, <laughs> plastic injection kind of products, those are maybe not that good to source from India. 
Um, however, I also think that, <clears throat> you know, India is probably the only country in the world. <clears throat> Sorry, let me just get a sip of water. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Uh, and, and I can interject there. I think I think that there's when, when I give my projection, actually, it was kind of funny. I had made this whole projection uh, with some with other peers in the group that there's other marketplaces you really need to keep an eye on. One of them was India. I think there are a lot of them were like Australia as well as Germany. And the reason is. I think India has a couple things going for it, not just for distributing and sourcing, but also for consumers. I think there's a lot of different things that a lot of people need to be aware of in terms of like when there's just a lot of people in terms of percentage of potential shoppers, like that that is going to be a marketplace once it becomes, you know, fertile for Amazon or other marketplaces on e-commerce that people are just going to start producing producing, but also selling on India a lot more. So uh Anyways, back to back to what your point was. Yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot for that. Yeah, and I'll talk about Amazon India. I'll talk about Amazon India and the opportunity that it presents to global Amazon sellers in a bit. So continuing to talk about the con, so that's that's one disadvantage. You can't source anything and everything from India. Um, the other disadvantage is that you know maybe logistics might not be as efficient as they are as it is in China. So for example, um, you know China has very advanced infrastructure. Uh, in terms of highways, roads, ports, and they're continuing to, um, you know, enhance their infrastructure, but that's still not the case in India. So you might find that the ports are not as efficient. They're maybe not, uh, you know, digitized yet, or maybe the roads are not efficient. Uh, roads are not that well developed. Or um, in some cities, what happens is during the monsoon season, when it rains a lot, then the roads get flooded and, you know, that creates issues. Uh, as well. So that's one of the things that you might find that the infrastructure now is not that well developed in India. So is that, is that something that uh, India itself as a country is a lot more focused on? They see like, hey, we're we're very focused on growing this kind of e-commerce hub, if you will. It's not just the sourcing or the seller aspect, but kind of where they do lack in those areas. Do you see that there's a lot of like national support or local cry like, hey, we need we need to improve these things if we want to actually start improving on a global scale. Definitely. I mean, there is, there has been a lot of focus on improving infrastructure, but, you know, India is a developing country and these things do take time and it's huge and the population is huge as well. So uh, there's tremendous pressure on on the resources in India because of the population. So, um, yeah, I think it, it it is definitely changing much faster now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely expect that in the coming, you know, five years or so, things will significantly improve. And I'm also seeing the government uh, really putting in a lot of effort to attract overseas investors to set up factories and manufacturing hubs in India. So, for example, specifically electronics uh, companies. So, you know, like Apple announced that they are going to set up their latest factory in India. And that's not only to cater to the domestic market, but also to export and then Samsung recently announced they're setting up another factory there. Um, and then a lot of the Chinese suppliers as well. I mean, Chinese brands, big brands like Xiaomi, they have factories in India. And um, currently, most of the electronics production that's happening in India is for the domestic market. So most of the products there produced there are actually sold in the domestic market. Um, however, that I expect will change in the next couple of years, you know, as more factories are set up as the supply chain develops in India, as um, you know, there's there's more skill and 
and the engineering skills kind of develop, we will see more of the local um, you know, companies as well setting up factories and then they will start doing OEM. And I'm already seeing that happening a little bit. There are electronic factories here and there that are you know, doing headphones and they are trying to look for overseas buyers. So that is, that is starting out right now. And um, um, I believe that it will increase over the next uh, couple of years. That's awesome. And, and that's super interesting. Is there, is there like another like topic or like a category that India is really thriving in? Because you said textiles, right? You said um, handmade wood items. Um, was there another one that was missing? Because I just want to make sure that all of our listeners were, hey, these are great categories to maybe obviously look into India currently for potential um, opportunities. Yeah, I mean, there are quite a few categories. So those are a couple. Let me just go through some of the others. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, yeah, so there's uh, wooden products, right? And then there's metal products and there's ceramic, there's glass. So all of the different materials. India is stronger in materials that are naturally occurring, not so much in the plastics or, you know, polyresins kind of materials. Sure. Um, so there are different hubs to manufacture each of these different, you know, product categories by material. And um, so there's garments, apparel, and then another huge category, and it's emerging really fast, is eco-friendly products. And um, these are, you know, these can be different types of products. So, for example, you'll see a lot of um, biodegradable, disposable dinnerware, for example. Um, okay. And these are things that are made from, you know, areca palm leaves or maybe disposable plates made from sugarcane waste. So there's a lot of R&D and, and, you know, research sort of going into developing these, these sort of categories. And then organic cotton, that's also considered quite eco-friendly and that's increasingly uh, becoming very popular, especially among Amazon sellers. I know that there are a couple of, uh, I mean, I know a couple of sellers who are doing really well in organic, um, you know, bed coverings and bed sheets and all. Um, and then some of the other categories are uh, hardware products. You'll find like, you know, brass or other types sure. of hardware products, um, locks and nails, <laughs> those sort of things. And um Apart from that, food items, that's another big category. So um, India is one of the biggest producers of spices in the world, herbs and spices. And, right. um, you know, since, um, I mean, earlier this year, people were really very focused on their health and they wanted, you know, to have a lot of supplements and everything. So that increased the need, uh, the, the demand for uh, herbs and also, you know, things like ashwagandha or turmeric, for example. And those sort of things are really uh, produced in India on a very large scale because, of course, Indian food, you know, uses a lot of these spices. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I am, I'm a big fan, so I, I do not do not fight with that. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, there's there's quite a bit um, that obviously you can go to India in terms of sourcing. So what's kind of like the effort in terms of maybe you and your team? Um, what's kind of the vision that you guys want to bring in terms of you know, is it shining a spotlight on these manufacturers and distributors or is it more like, hey, we're, we are a marketplace that's ready and budding at the seams. Just get ready and start lining up for it. Um, what, what's kind of the mission for uh, you and the India sourcing show? So um, the mission is, of course, to help Amazon sellers safely and effectively source products from India. That sure. is the mission. And um, yeah, of course, I mean, you know, uh, we do want to highlight that there are good manufacturers and good products that you can source from India that will help you differentiate from other people who are sourcing from China because everybody's sourcing from China, right? 
And um, that becomes an issue because whatever niche you get into, whatever product you get into, other people also have access to the same products. And, um, you know, very quickly you'll find there there's competition or maybe your own supplier will start <laughs> competing against you once they start to see how well you're doing. But that's not the case in India. First of all, it's not easy to find suppliers there. So not everybody can find suppliers, you know. Um, and um, once you do find a supplier, you can get very unique products. And these products are really high quality. And, um, you know, whoever I've worked with, um, and they definitely get a lot of good reviews for their products. They are, of course, you know, maybe more high end. So you might not sell, uh, you know, thousands of them, but then you'll have more profit because these products are... Um, sort of you can charge a premium for, for them because they are more high quality. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. So when you're doing all these shows, like, like you said, you, you were developing these shows again in the last year or two, um, or like trips, I should say, and in a non-pandemic year, what, what's a trip like that look like? Are you, are you reaching out to sellers or you just have it scheduled on the books every year and you're like, Hey, Hey everyone, we're going to highlight all the great local, you know, distribution, the sourcing, our factories here in India, what's a trip like that? Maybe walk us through uh, a typical, I'll say typical, uh, a typical uh, trip that you were putting on. Yeah, definitely. So um, the trip is an eight day, it's an eight day trip and it focuses on three aspects, learning about sourcing from India, sourcing actual products, and also experiencing the culture because India is very rich in, in culture and, uh, you know, it's got a 5,000 year old history and all. So we do yeah. try to get, give people an experience, uh, a taste of the culture as well. So the trip starts off with, um, you know, a welcome dinner and everything. And then, um, the first full day of the trip is a conference. So we're in a conference room and we've got, um, we invite sourcing experts to talk about various aspects related to sourcing from India how to find and vet suppliers, negotiating, logistics. Uh, so it's almost like a crash course in sourcing from India. And so we have one full day of that. And um, we also have e-commerce experts joining, um, you know, or coaches joining the trip. So Tim Jordan, for example, is a coach on India sourcing trip. Gary Huang is a coach. Then we have Chris Thomas from Australia, Margaret Jolly, Kevin Alden. So we do have coaches traveling with the group. CJ Rosenbaum is, uh, is on the trip as well. And uh, after the conference, we spent three days at the trade show. So this is an export-focused trade show that's held in, um, in Delhi, which is the capital of India. And um, we spent three days at the show. Basically, we go to the show in the morning and um, we, we do a guided tour of the show for, for all attendees to... Um, help them navigate the show and show them how exactly to talk to suppliers and how to get information and what information to collect when talking to suppliers. And um, so we spent three days at the show. And then we also visit a factory after that on the, on the fifth day. And um, then we also have a cultural program. So we are basically, um, we invite a dance troupe to uh, you know do a performance and people can also like dress up and wear Indian attire and, dance to some Bollywood tunes. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. And then on the last day, we take people to Taj Mahal, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. So it's about right. a five hour trip from uh, Delhi by road. So um, yeah, we go to Taj Mahal, we spend the day there. And um, yeah, that's about it. Wow. So so with our, your trip, did, I'm assuming it went, it had to be delayed this year, correct? 
Yes, definitely. Okay. So the trip had to be delayed this year. And what we did was because we, we have this Facebook group with, with thousands of people who are interested in, you know, sourcing from India and also the trip. And we still wanted to help them source products. So what we did was, um, you know, together with my par- partners, Margaret and Kevin, um, I launched this virtual show that's held every month. It's called Virtual India Sourcing Show. And basically what we do is invite vetted manufacturers from India. So we vet the manufacturers ourselves to make sure that they are they have actual factories and they're exporters. And we invite them to do, um, uh, to do live webinars, to talk about their companies, to tell people about their USPs, their backstory, and to actually show their products as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a live webinar. It's held every month. And um, each supplier has about, you know, 30 minutes or so to talk about their company, show their products. People can ask questions. So it's a very engaging kind of webinar. And it's done on, on StreamYard, actually. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's what we've, doing, we've been doing for the last seven months or so, Virtual India Sourcing Show. And that's how we've helped um, people source from India. And uh, it's really encouraging to see people in our group, you know, and they're completely new to sourcing from India and then they source a product and they get really good reviews and then they come back and share that in the group and and they, uh, you know, they're pretty happy with the experience. Of course, you have to be careful that you're sourcing from a professional export focused factory to get that sort of quality. But yeah, once you get a good factory, the quality can be really good. That's awesome. I mean, that, that, that's great news. And obviously we'll, we'll make sure that everyone can find more information if they want to learn obviously about that, that webinar. Um, so what, what's kind of the takeaways that, um, your group is, is learning this year, apart from being in person, is there like something that you learned maybe that you didn't think you would, um, from doing this all virtual? Um, I think the takeaway, you know, for, for our group is that, um, you know, we, we need to diversify. We need to have, um, you know, um, sorry, what was your question? <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll iterate from, obviously it's not as easy to just like go to someone's office or meet up in person and like meet every couple of days or weeks or however you and your team meet. Um, is there something maybe in the, like within this like past nine months or so since shutdowns began that you you didn't think that would happen that that kind of yielded into this this beautiful either some a learning nugget that maybe you guys learned or mm-hmm. can take away from all this yeah i think um what we've realized is that um you know we are resilient um you know especially me <laughs> i realized that i am resilient. <laughs> well when you launch a product in the middle of a pandemic megala it's you got you got to have a tough skin yeah, I mean, I started a trips and events business right before the pandemic, right? I started this last year and then the pandemic struck. So I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So <laughs> I had this entire plan set out for myself for the next two years where, where I was going to be doing in-person conferences in Singapore and Delhi. And, you know, I was doing, I was going to do China sourcing trips as well, India sourcing trips. So it was an entire uh, business you know, just focused on events and trips. So uh, yeah, that came crashing down pretty quick. <laughs> and then so I had to really pivot. I had to pivot really, really quick and, um, you know, diversify into virtual events and virtual sourcing shows and, and all of that. But yeah, what I found is that, um, you know, everything is sort of figure outable. <laughs> so you just have to work, you know, work through things one day at a time and, and just take on each challenge one, you know, one challenge at a time. And um, yeah, you, you know, 
human beings are very resilient and and figure out ways uh, to navigate challenges. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, and I think that's the beautiful thing about all of this is that it's showing us how to find and be stronger in different ways and kind of like diversify ourselves because again, a lot of people that I'm meeting nowadays is just like a simple like message on social media and thank God for obviously the internet of, you know, emails and social media or texting or even just like video chat services like this where we can see each other's face and kind of still have that very similar interaction, but not the same thing as like a handshake or a, you're learning and reading each other's body language. And that's what a lot of people on the show have kind of said, like, gosh, I really took it. Like I look back and I say, I really hated events and in-person events prior to the pandemic, but gosh, once it's able to happen again, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on every single one when it's safe and secure. And obviously <laughs> I'm going to be at every one of those and traveling like crazy. Um, so, I mean, Obviously that that's a that's a downer when you have to realize that you're changing your business model that you're like in 2 years now that's my plan who did you turn to in those kinds of times like that couldn't have been easy to do by yourself Yeah I mean I turned to uh, my partners Margaret and Kevin so they were they are coaches on India sourcing trip and uh, you know we got together and we uh we put our heads together and and uh you know came up with this idea of virtual India sourcing show so yeah I mean uh, you know, the three of us, Margaret, Kevin, and I, we have developed this uh, from scratch and uh, continue to improve it. So um, I think I'm, I'm really grateful that, uh, you know, we, we, we were able to work on this together. And apart from that, I, you're muted. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. That, I think this entire industry that we're in is just so supportive so, um, you know, when I was starting out, even with India Sourcing Trip, I reached out to people and, and uh, everybody was so supportive, supportive of uh, the initiative. And, you know, they helped me um, spread the word and brought me on their podcast to allow me to talk about it. And uh, yeah, even after the pandemic struck, you know, when we were starting Virtual India Sourcing Show, um, you know, everybody in the industry was very supportive and, and helped in different ways. 100%. And I, I think that's the one thing I'm learning quite quickly is in growing and kind of like offering a platform like this where we are, where we answer questions again, live, but everyone's constantly coming and going. Each person has their own issues that are, you know, they just can't listen to stuff live, but they also want to hear about content. They want to continue to learn and develop and grow. And there's just so many different angles that you can look at stories and how it's just developed into something beautiful, like overcoming objections or overcoming like businesses, not going the way you wanted to for two years, obviously for events, um, which, you know, it sounds just terrible, but those are things that we just don't foresee. Can you apply some of those to like business models as well? Like just outside of your, you know, you have no control over it. Is there a story maybe you could share like either a good or a bad thing that it was just out of your control and it just happened? but you learned something from it and then you grew from it? Um, I think there are just so many little things that happened, um, you know, over the course of this year. I can't think of a specific story as such, but yeah, I mean, overall what this year I think has taught me is that, um, you know, there are opportunities in challenges as well. And if we look hard enough and if we look in the right places, we will be able to find opportunities and sometimes challenges are also a blessing, I think, because, you know, now I do have two, uh, you know, 
sort of businesses, two business models now. I do have a virtual business model and, and a physical one too. So if it weren't for the pandemic, I would never have thought of doing a virtual show or, you know, virtual um, events or workshops right. or whatever. So, uh, but now I do have that. So, you know, it, of course, pandemic is not a good thing, but there are opportunities in, in challenges that I think um, people should look for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, for everyone who's uh, joining us again live on social media, whether it's LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Facebook, or Twitter, uh, thanks to you for joining us. Um, again, hit that like button. If you like what you hear, if you have a question or a comment, go ahead and submit that from Megala or myself. Uh, we will be more than happy to kind of answer as we can. Um, our audiences, I think both for you and I, Megala, are international. Um, yeah. We have offices and students and, you know, just uh, clients from all over the world. What is kind of the, what's the thing about 2021 in terms of marketplaces? We were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier, I think. Um, what are you most excited about in the new year in terms of marketplaces? Is there a couple of countries that you have your eye on or is it something else that you're really excited about? I think one of the things that I'm really excited about is, of course, the continued growth of e-commerce. So 2020 was a very uh, you know exciting year for e-commerce. And I think that growth is going to continue in 2021. So um, I think we as e-commerce sellers are probably in the right place at the right time in the right industry. And um, I think there's going to be huge opportunity for e-commerce sellers in 2021. Um, also, I feel that e-commerce sellers should try to diversify uh, their selling, you know, um, their selling and their sourcing. So if you're currently only selling on Amazon US, for example, you should consider to diversify to other Amazon marketplaces. There's Amazon India. We didn't talk about that, Ryan, but Amazon India is a growing opportunity. Um, there are two key players in the Amazon in the, in the e-commerce space in India. There's Amazon and then there's Flipkart, which is a company that's owned by Walmart. So basically right. Amazon and Walmart are fighting it out in uh, the Indian e-commerce space. And um, so that is a huge opportunity. I mean, of course, India has a huge population and a growing middle class and uh, there's also increasing adoption of mobile. So mobile shopping in India is growing at a very, very fast rate. So, of course, there are you know challenges that you need to overcome. For example, it's a very price conscious market. So you need to make sure that your pricing is right and your profits won't be um, you know very high per product, but you'll mostly make pro- profits on uh, volumes. So in, if you're selling you know, 100 pieces of a product in the US, you'll probably be selling like 500 in India just because of the, the volume of the other population size. And uh, but you'll make smaller margins on each product. So it's a different sort of ball game. You need to understand that. But once you get the hang of it, um, you know, it's potentially a, a really, really good business opportunity. And there are certain categories that are really popular in India that I know Amazon sellers are doing really well. So for example, there's supplements. It's huge and growing at a very, very fast rate. And um, so that's one category. And then there's others like apparel, fashion, all of those things. Um, For global Amazon sellers to sell in Amazon India, you do need to set up a company in India. You can't just sell on Amazon India as an overseas company. So there is some work to do at the beginning. You need to set up a company and uh, you need to pay taxes and you need to get a GST number and all that stuff. But once you're through that, then um, and, and you understand how the marketplace works, what kinds of products sell well, it's it's really a huge opportunity that I think people should definitely look into. 
Absolutely. And you, and you caught on to my like hints as we were going to talk about the marketplaces in India. It's very unique because us as a global payments company, we have to deal with regulations in uh, money coming and going. India's The country of India is very unique because um, sending money out of the country is very different than receiving money in the country, which is why I believe that there's why you have to set up that entity within India. Can you tell us maybe an insight why that is? Is, is there a reasoning for that for people who aren't aware? Yeah, so the reason is that India is a very protective kind of country because huge population, developing country, the government really wants to protect local businesses. And so that's why they're sort of making it a bit hard for overseas companies to come in and set up businesses in the country because they only want you know solid businesses and, and, and companies and brands that are invested uh, for the long term in India, they don't want people just coming in and, and then just, uh, you know, sort of wrapping up in, in a month or two. So they, they're trying to make the, uh, the entry a bit difficult so that it weeds out people who are sort of, you know, just uh, dabbling or, or just kind of exploring the market. So they want really strong players in there. And uh, yeah, I mean, one of the main reasons is they want to protect the domestic domestic small businesses. And India has really f- always focused a lot on small businesses. So there are literally millions and millions of small businesses. There are mom and pop shops. And now, of course, e-commerce sellers. There are millions of e-commerce sellers, um, you know, entrepreneurs, basically, in India who are selling on Amazon and other marketplaces. And so, yeah, the government also wants to protect you know, those small businesses. So that's one reason why they make it a bit difficult for overseas um, sellers and companies to come into India. Interesting because so they they want to have not other entities like a big, you know, for example, Walmart or somebody to establish dominance to outrun local businesses, but they will allow for those businesses to sell in those marketplaces to different countries. Yes. Is that is that kind of they can do it outbound and sell in different countries, but when it comes to selling locally, it's a little bit more difficult. Um yeah and uh, also you know they do allow big companies it's not like they don't allow big companies right. like the commerce marketplace is dominated by amazon and walmart so those are big com- companies and they do- they i think dominate like i, I mean they have like 80 percent of the share of the e-commerce market in india so it's not like they don't allow big companies but again they you know really they really allow solid companies that will bring in investment as well so amazon for example announced recently that they're going to invest like five billion dollars in, in the country and they're creating job opportunities and, uh, you know, they're helping develop infrastructure and um, also developing the entire e-commerce ecosystem in India. So, yeah, I mean, those are the kinds of companies that, uh, that the government is trying to attract. Right. I, maybe, maybe I'll phrase it another way. Um, maybe what's the line that India, the government may be protecting the sellers from going out of business? What is that fine line do you think that they're trying to make sure that the small business owner doesn't get pushed out. Can you kind of maybe like touch a little bit more on that? Is it just, is it from just outside companies? You said not selling and I'm, I'm trying to understand this because again, I, this is something that I'm learning as we, we continue to grow and develop. So this is, this is kind of my back and forth as a, a Q and a, when you're protecting people in India, is it, inviting opportunity for them to sell and for them to flourish. And that's the main focus. Um, or is it more like protecting the marketplace? So that's 
India consumers buying from India sellers um, instead of like outside of the United States. Like if I'm in the United States currently, I just can't sell any in India because I can flip a switch and sell in India like you can in the United States. That's kind of yeah. the difference you're talking about, right? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, as I said, they do want companies that are invested in India in the long term. It's not like they don't want investors or they don't want companies to set up businesses in India, but they just want, you know, businesses who will um, help the economy, who will help the local, you know, the, the population or will contribute to to the economy in a you know in a positive meaningful way and so that's one reason why they've set up all of these places uh, these rules in place because they do want you know the, the good solid companies to come right. in and um yeah and also in the the tax structure and everything is very complicated in india i'm sure you're aware and you know, you have to- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh my compliance team I, I god bless them for trying to figure it out it's it's difficult. exactly <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's uh, another thing too. What what's so for you as a seller? Why what is different about um, the financial structure? Can you shed light because you are um, you're in Singapore right now, but you're selling in India. How does that? No, I'm I, oh, I'm sorry. In <laughs> you're not selling I'm in India. Sorry. You're selling yeah. in the United States. Sorry. So yeah, what what kind of barrier would need to be like? Maybe what are the uh, things that you would have to really kind of navigate? Is it the financial side of things to sell in India? Is that the difficulty of jumping into India's marketplace? What's, what's no. the major barrier? See, the financial things is, is not a problem because all you need to do is get a right partner to help you. Uh, and by partner, I mean service provider. I mean, there are you know tons of service providers that will help you set up a company that will give you a local director that will uh, file your taxes and GST and everything. Of course, you want to make sure that you're working with the right agency to help you with that. I mean, somebody who's experienced with e-commerce and they understand how the tax system and all works. Once you have a good partner, you don't need to worry about all of that yourself. You don't need to figure it out yourself. There are people who, you know, figured it out. They've got um, systems in place. So it's a matter of finding the right person or the right agency to help you with that. I think the most difficult part is understanding the market and what products will sell and the psychology of consumers and how to make your product appeal to the local population and what sort of products are really moving fast. Another issue that you find in India is the return rate is a bit high because um, cash on delivery is actually an option. I don't think cash on oh. delivery is an option in anywhere, <laughs> anywhere else in the world. I don't think so. No, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. So, because so can you India, walk us through what that is? Yeah, real quick for people that, who don't know. Yeah, I mean, cash on delivery is basically you buy something online and you pay cash when it is delivered at your doorstep. So you don't have to pay in advance via credit card. Because in India, a lot of people, you know, they don't have credit cards. They're maybe, uh, you know, smaller, uh, low income households that prefer to use cash. And even in Singapore, actually, cash on delivery is, uh, is, is, does still happen sometimes. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, so what happens is sometimes people buy products, but then maybe they change their mind by the time the product is delivered and they, uh, you know, either reject the delivery or they return the product. Um, or maybe sometimes, you know, they, they feel that there's not much value in the product that they bought. And that happens in the U S and other places as well. You know, you buy a product and you think, oh, this is not what I expected and then return, return it. So it does happen a little bit more in India because people are just a bit more price conscious and uh, they want to get value for the, for, for the amount of, 
money that they've spent. So they're a bit more, you know, like value conscious. And so maybe the return rates are a bit higher because of that as well. But Amazon has sort of addressed that in some ways. So for example, uh, I'm not sure exactly of, you know, the rules and all for this, but each account or each person is allowed to return a certain number of items per year, I think, or something like that. I mean, there are rules in place to, to sort of address that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm assuming they have something in terms of their own uh, systems where they're tracking constant because even in the United States, if you have someone who's buying or returning and you have that constant fluctuation, they're going to flag your account and say like, hey, you're actually, you know, you're not going to charge the seller for that. It's it's someone who's either, you know, trying to get the good, use it really quickly and return it, or they're trying to get some sort of insight in terms of like pricing structure. Yeah, there, there's like black hat ways where you can do it in terms of Amazon's trying to protect the seller, but that makes sense. So, um, so you said it's higher. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. I was just saying. I mean, if we have some time, do you want to maybe also talk about Amazon Singapore? Because I think yeah, that's- let's dive into it. That was my next question. It was like okay. that, that sounds fantastic about Amazon India, but let's talk about something that almost I, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about Amazon Singapore. Let, let's dive in. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, as, as you're probably aware, Singapore is a small country. It's uh, about 6 million people. And, um, but even though it's a small country, what's great about Singapore is that the e-commerce penetration is really, really high. So almost 70% of the population has actually bought something online and it is literally growing. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if very soon it, it'd be close to 100% because I feel that even you know, people who are not that familiar, not that tech savvy, maybe uh, a bit older, even they are starting to realize the advantages of e-commerce and, and sort of getting on the bandwagon. Also, Amazon has a very high brand awareness over here in Singapore. So um, in fact, before Amazon Singapore launched, uh, people used to shop from amazon.com from US and get products shipped over here. Um, and then Amazon Singapore has also launched Prime over here, Amazon Prime, and um, Prime membership is quite cheap. And um, penetration of Prime membership is really high. And literally, there are hundreds and thousands of, uh, um, of, of Prime members in Singapore. Um, so I think Amazon Singapore is a great opportunity for sellers to diversify, even though, I mean, currently, Amazon Singapore is a very new market. Sales are not that high. Uh, on Amazon Singapore. It's a very slow moving market. I sell there, but it's like really, really slow. Um, but I feel that what might happen, and this is speculation, this is not something that Amazon has announced, but I think this will happen in, in 2021 or I don't know when. I feel that Amazon Singapore will open up to other countries in Southeast Asia. So Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, Thailand, Vietnam, and once that happens, then I think um, the overall e-commerce market in Southeast Asia will be, you know, will be sort of open to people who sell on Amazon Singapore. And that's when the main opportunity or the big opportunity will, will arise for Amazon sellers who start selling on Singapore now, who, who sort of start testing the market a little bit, you know, send in ah, your products. There is Amazon FBA here and it's relatively easier to send in products uh, in Singapore, you do need an importer of record, but that doesn't have to be your own company. There are ways of getting an importer of record that is a third party agency. And then 
Interesting. Unless you're doing about a million dollars, a million Singapore dollars per year, you don't need to file GST, which means you don't necessarily need to have a local company here in Singapore. Right. So I think that's a good opportunity. And another advantage of Amazon Singapore is that they have actually waived a membership fee, the monthly membership fee. They have waived that until June 2021. So there's no monthly membership fee. Plus, they also have account managers. So whoever joins Amazon Singapore, they're assigned an account manager. Now, of course, each account manager manages, you know, maybe hundreds of sellers. So it's not like you're getting one on one support. Yeah. (laughs) If you, yeah, I know, wouldn't it? (laughs) But at least if you run into an issue, there is a person, a human that you can email and, you know, potentially get help from. And the Singapore team over here is extremely helpful. I've been working with them for the last couple of years and uh, they are, you know, really willing to help sellers. They've in fact formed a a Telegram group over here where they engage with sellers and they try to provide resources uh, and different things. They also host live webinars where sellers are invited. I've spoken at a couple of their webinars. They used to host meetups in their office. Um, You know, they used to invite various experts to talk about uh, different things. I've spoken about sourcing a couple of times over there. Um, So yeah, I think global sellers should look at Amazon Singapore uh, and just try to get their feet wet a little bit in in this, you know, to to potentially in the future target the entire Southeast Asian market. Absolutely. Is there any uh, inventory restrictions going on right now for Amazon Singapore? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure about that, but probably not. Yeah. And I asked that because obviously lots of United States sellers are seeing those inventory restrictions. So when I was talking to people like um, Amy Weiss from AMZ yeah, Home, uh, she was talking about like, hey, you just got to diversify. All right. If Amazon's going to put 200 units of my product in .com, maybe I can look at different places too and try to you know diversify a little bit. And, and that makes sense in terms of like Singapore. Um, if it opens up like Southeast Asia, like you mentioned, it would, or potentially, again, these are all speculations. We're not Amazon here. Otherwise, uh, you and I wouldn't be sitting here, I'm sure. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyways, um, that, that's that's super intriguing in terms of just the potential. Like a lot of people in Amazon, I think, are bet placers or they try to place the best bets. So if you're selling there and you said you can be the first ones to access that network, that'd be huge. I would... I would think that would boom quickly once that access gets open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I think so too. And, uh, you know, put, currently Singapore is just 6 million people or so, but if you combine Southeast Asia and all of these main countries nearby, it's about 350 million. So, you know, it's, it's yeah, potentially pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're coming up on the top of the hour and I know I don't want to take more of your time because again, you're starting your day and I'm, we're kind of wrapping it up over here. Um, with, uh, what should Amazon sellers in terms of learning more about India or learning more about Singapore, what are the best resources that you and your team are either reading or learning about from, and then like educating people where, where can people learn more about that? So the best way to find out more about what I do and also get access to all of the resources is to join my Facebook group. So it's just, uh, you know, go search for sourcing from India under groups on Facebook and um, it's it's called sourcing from India Amazon FBA private label. <laughs> and, no long-winded um, answer, exactly oh, right. But sourcing from India, <laughs> you'll get there. Exactly. So join that group, 
got uh, I've got a free ebook that everybody gets when they join that uh, when they join the group and the ebook just basically gives an overview of how things work in India and how you can start sourcing then we do webinars on a weekly basis and of course virtual india sourcing show and um yeah it's a very supportive group everybody just uh, you know helps in case there is a question so that's the best way to start um yeah with india at least right and if they can learn more from you or just ask you a question what's the best way to do that so they can reach uh, me through facebook i think facebook messenger that's the that's the best way yeah Good, good old Facebook Messenger in the Amazon community. Gotta, gotta love it. It's been pinging in my background ever since. Like, hey, here's my question. Here's that. I'm like, guys, I just notify. Like, stop messaging me for an hour. So, anyways, yeah, that that's awesome. And you've been super fantastic in terms of education. I thought those are two huge marketplaces. I think that a lot of people just don't dive into. It makes sense, like population wise. Maybe not the forefront of everyone in terms of for Singapore. Super valuable content, Megla, and then obviously India. Gosh, you you told me like when I can travel to India, like I better be on that invite list for sure. Like I'm there. <laughs> I need to absorb the co- culture, the content, everything that you're dishing out of there. Uh, you and your team are online all the time. When I when I listen to your webinars, it's just great content about you know a different perspective, and that's what this show is about on our platform is providing different perspectives of international marketplaces, both on e-commerce and on Amazon. So thank you so much for joining us today. I know. Um, I, I learned a lot. There's a lot of technical difficulties, which we don't technically, or I try not to always have, but you can't, you can't always avoid those when you're going live. So I thank you so much for fighting through that with me. Um, I call everyone who ends the show, a friend of the show. So again, in 2021, we'll either do this in person, hopefully, or again on the digital platform like this, but thank you so much for lending your time on a Tuesday for you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ryan, for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And again, for everyone who wants to learn more information, again, go check out any sourcing show or uh, search that in Facebook. Check out Megla on Facebook and her team. We will be going live again. Only two more shows. This is episode 27 or 28, I should say, of our season. We're going to finish off the season talking about international marketplaces. Um, again, today, India and Singapore. Tomorrow, we're talking China. And then on Wednesday, goodness, Wednesday, we're (laughs) going to be talking about Japan. So again, I'm super excited about all those marketplaces. Thank you so much again. And until next time, uh, this is Crossover Commerce. uh, Signing off is Ryan Kramer, the host of this show. Thanks again, Megala. Take care.